0: All right, it is Easter Sunday. And I know what y'all are thinking. You're you're like, I don't know what to expect from from, uh, Easter. Or maybe you have something in mind uh, of what to expect. But what I want to say is if you guys will, just bear with me for 30, 35 minutes and just listen closely. Because I have prepared this message just for you. I prepared this message with you in mind. And quite honestly, I love the fact that I call it a talk back church. I love a talk back church, okay? Hey, there it is. Hey, amen. All right. So there's a good example, okay? And uh, you can always count on the grants for that. Uh, and so if you, if you hear something that just really resonates with you, that, that hits home, if you hear amen, you can say preach it. You can say whatever. Come on, somebody. Like, whatever it is, I, I enjoy that. It, it feeds my soul a little bit. And it's not for my ego at all. But I want to know that you guys are hearing what I'm saying. And that's really what I'm doing it for. So... Um, if, 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 if you so will do that, I would be, I would be delighted, honestly. Um, but also, just take a moment right now, look to your neighbor, say, hey, you're going to learn something today. You're going to learn something today, okay? And now look to the person that you didn't choose the first time and say, you're my second choice, but you're also going to learn something today. <laughs> um, so, as I said, you know, you may have come in here today and you're, and you're not sure what to expect, Maybe it's your first time ever to a church, or maybe it's your first time in a long time. Or maybe you're a regular tender, but you still don't necessarily know what to expect from me. And I'm not going to sit here and ask you to bring your expect- expectations super high now, because I, for one, am only human, and I'm only capable of so much. But the best part is, what, uh, what, what my fiance Kelsey reminded me of this week, is that, is that uh, I don't rely on my own strength. I don't, I rely on the strength of the Lord. And after that, I scratched my whole message that I had prepared and I started over. And I was like, it just didn't feel right. It wasn't feeling good. And I was like, you know what, Kelsey, you're right. So I just, I started from scratch essentially. And I believe that this is exactly what the Lord has uh, to say to you today. And I just pray that I'm just a vessel of, of honor to bring glory to his name. And uh, may he just use me in this, in this capacity. And I'm going to do something today that I've never done from a stage before. And that is, I'm going to tell you a lot or a little, depends how you look at it, of my own personal story. Because what we celebrate on Easter is resurrection. And there is resurrection in our suffering Resurrection is still to come because Jesus went and suffered, but three days later he came and rose again from the dead. There is resurrection in our suffering. He is still working during our suffering. And you're not too far gone or too old or too young to to completely devote your life to the Lord. It's never too late. And I was born as the youngest of six kids. And I was a handful Okay, if you knew me, you knew. Yeah, there's, that's my dad, if you don't know. Uh, I was a handful, okay? I consider myself the black sheep of the family. They all, you know, they all went on to Purdue and, you know, cared about school and being, well, behaving, and I didn't. I, I did not want anything to do with Purdue. I just, I wanted to make my own path. And, you know, if you knew, you knew, okay? That was me. And and I was, I was ornery. I was. I'm not going to lie. I actually, fun fact. Yeah. See? Okay. All right. Okay. Maybe calm down on the amens, okay? <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Hey, actually there's actually a story of me that when I was younger, I didn't plan on including this, but I'm going to say it anyway. So one of my best friends will, I grew up with, uh, and we were actually at his, at his parents' house one day and, and we were trying to get in the his dad's truck. And he straight up just told me, just break the window. So I took a rock and I broke the window and I got in trouble. Well, obviously I got in trouble, but the car was unlocked the whole time. And and I just, I don't think, you know, that's just me. I've never really thought before I did anything. Uh, And that is until I'm marrying Kelsey and she has really brought me back a lot, believe it or not. And, uh, but yeah, I I straight up, I just broke that window and I was like, all right, we'll get it. But the door was unlocked and you know, it is what it is. And I got in trouble, but here we are. And we're still best friends to this day. Okay. So it it, it ended good. Um, But there was a time in my life. There was. There was when i lived for the world i lived for the world i lived for my flesh i lived what i would say in death i started watching pornography at a young age which grew into an addiction to it at some point and then that grew into an alcohol i wouldn't necessarily say addiction but i loved it i i mean even in high school a lot of this stuff i will preface My parents don't fully know, so they're learning just with you guys today. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. But the Lord has redeemed me and made me new. Amen? Okay. So I would go, I remember, I mean, in in high school, I I would would be drinking. I would drink on school nights. I'd go to school hungover. There was actually a sexual championship game in high school. I drank a pint of alcohol before the game because I had a sprained ankle, and I really wanted to play, and I didn't want to feel anything. That's where it was. And I was taking lots of over over the over-the-counter medicines to help alleviate this pain and then and then I go to college and 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 I stay in alcohol but then I was you know introduced to other drugs along the way and I', I partake in that as well and then along the way of that you know I was introduced to, to sex because of my porn addiction it, it created this great lust within me that I wanted to have it I needed to have it and then I was addicted to sex at, at, for, for a long part of my my life, And you may be sitting here wondering, what is he doing preaching on Easter today? But there was a pivotal moment in my life that brought me to Christ. And I'm going to save that for a little bit later down the road. But why or how is this guy a pastor is a question you're probably asking yourself. Or maybe you came to hear about Jesus and his resurrection. See, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Amen. And this story of myself has everything to do with Jesus. Because my history is his story. You can't hold it back. Months ago, I told a story about being at Passion Conference and a, a, a gal, random gal came up and prophesied over me, said, you need to share your story. So I did here and there and there. But I always still kind of held back. And today you're going to get it. And I just wanted you to take the time, grab your Bibles or your phones. If you don't have one with you, it's going to be on the screen. We're going to head to John 11, verse 38. And starting in verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This story is a story about Lazarus. There's two Lazaruses in the Bible. This Lazarus is a friend of Jesus. He was a great friend uh, of Jesus. And Jesus raises his friend from the grave. And you see right before, his sister has doubted the power of God. She's saying, but he's been there for four days. Like there's going to be a bad odor. And this is the only other time in scripture where you see somebody being raised from the grave besides Jesus. And this is very significant because this happened just a few weeks Later, or a few weeks before, Jesus would actually go to Golgotha and die and resurrect again. Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, they petitioned the love of Jesus. And he just responded, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. See, Lazarus, he was bound with sickness before his death. And to give us more perspective, I want to take us a few steps back. We're going to head to John 11, verse 4, very early on. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, and and so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. He says it to them. He says it will not end in death. But then Lazarus dies. His sisters maybe are losing faith a little bit. They're like, but you said this. Okay, maybe, maybe it's just not going to happen. Maybe he's gone. And they're weeping. And there's a text right before where he says Jesus wept. And I think, I believe... If you read the text, I believe that Jesus, he's not necessarily weeping because of the loss of his friend. That may have something to do with it, but I think there's more to do with it is that the weeping of the absence of faith in this moment. He, Jesus says what's going to happen, but yet they still lost the faith. Or maybe he's weeping because he's empathizing with his friends, with those he loves. See, Lazarus's sister is saying that Jesus could have healed him from his sickness, yet he doesn't. And I believe that Jesus realizes that that Mary and others have, have lost that hope. They have lost that faith. They've forgotten. They've forgotten about the glory of Jesus that is to come. They've forgotten about the power of Jesus that never departed. Before raising Lazarus, Jesus asked Mary an important question that I want us to imagine being asked ourselves today. This question's in John 11, verse 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Seriously, ask yourself that question this morning. Do you believe this? Lazarus was bound by sickness, but the resurrection power of Jesus is far greater. I was bound by porn and sex, alcohol and drugs, but the resurrection power of Jesus is far greater. You can fill in the blank for yourself. I was bound by what is it? You name it. It doesn't matter how many or how little, how big or how small. The resurrection power of Jesus is far greater. And today we celebrate Easter. We celebrate the resurrection power of Jesus. I'm not going to necessarily talk on the specifics of this historical event, but really that of Lazarus because we are Lazarus. He has a great love for us. Jesus took 39 lashings. 13 in his right shoulder muscle that really holds the shoulder to the head, 13 in the other, and then 13 down the spine, as scholars would believe it, to expose the spine so that as he sits and hangs on that cross, he can't necessarily hold himself up with his arms. He's just dangling. And to be able to catch a breath, he has to push off of his legs to be able to get air into his lungs, and the spine that is exposed is rubbing against the tree that he hangs on. He did this for you and I. He did this without a yell or begging for mercy. He carried the cross up the hill of Calvary, was was nailed at his hands and feet. No bones were broken, but flesh was. And it was, it was custom where when they hang on the cross, because this is how they punished, punished lawbreakers, they would, they would hang them on the cross. And what they would do is they would break their, break their legs. They would As they're hanging there near the end of their time, they would break their legs. And, and they go up to Jesus to break his legs. But there was a prophecy for like hundreds of years before this that no bones would be broken. So they go to do it and... And, and they, they, just, they, they just don't. But the two sinners hanging next to him, they do it to them, but they just don't do it to Jesus. Instead, they take a spear and they, sh- they, they push it into his side where it pours out blood and water. He, he ended up dying of asphyxiation. Affix- the enemy thought he had won. Except three days later, the tombstone rolls away. And he rises up to claim victory over Satan and his schemes. Because of this act of sacrificial love, you and I, you and I can claim that same victory over our lives today. I want to talk about another Lazarus that comes up in the scriptures. And this is in uh, Luke chapter 16, verses 24 through 28. And before we get there, I want to give you context as you guys are going there. This is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus, he's a beggar. He's homeless. He, he sits at the gate of the rich man who has no pity on him. He would have dogs that would come and lick his sores and his wounds, and, and he just sat there. And the rich man who had everything, the Lazarus who had nothing, they're two completely different lives. But see, there's a, comes a point where they both die and go to Hades. And you have the side of torment and the side of good. And the rich man ends up on the side of torment. And then you have Lazarus, the rich man who had everything. Then you have Lazarus who had nothing, ends up at the side of Abraham. And verse 24 says, so he called to him, father, Abraham, the rich man calls to him, father, Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. You see, the rich man is in agony. He had everything he ever wanted in life. But he forgot the one thing that truly mattered the most. He didn't know God. He didn't have a relationship with Jesus. He didn't know. He didn't know him. He chose not to. It's not that he didn't have the opportunity because Lazarus, the one that sat at his gate, sure did. And this story isn't about if you have, if you're rich and you're well off, you're wealthy, that you're, you, you know, you're going to end up in, in, uh, in torment. That's not what it's saying. Or if you have too little or, or, you, or you live your life broke all the time that you're going to end up at the, at the side of Abraham. That's not what it's saying. But what it's saying is no matter what you have, all you need is a relationship with Jesus. All you need is to call, call on him as Lord and Savior of your life. And the rich man who had it all, you would think maybe he would want some company where he's at. But it's so bad. The torment is so bad. He's in such agonizing pain that he himself didn't even want company in his misery. He begs Abraham to send Lazarus to warn his family. And he lived a successful life. Yet when it came down to eternity, he loses it all. He calls on Abraham to raise him, but Abraham doesn't have the power. As honorable as Abraham may be, only Jesus can raise from the dead. Only Jesus can raise others from the dead. I think that this is a great picture of our world today. You have so many voices and opinions on what you should have, need, and do. Mainstream media and social media is just spewing lies. Satan has his hand on the things of this world and wants us to chase after it, just as the rich man did. He wants to distract us with all that we could have in this world, with all the praise that we could get from others around us. It's not about praise for ourselves. What are we doing to glorify God? Do you have a relationship with that? No matter what you chase, because I've been there, I can promise you this, it is not worth it. Living a life of the flesh only keeps us from our Savior. And Satan rejoices in confusion. He's trying to pull us in all different directions. We want to honor God. We want to glorify God. And then we see, oh, you know, oh, you know, I'm going to go onto this site or I'm going to go to this party or I'm going to, you know, go do this or that. Whatever it may be, whatever you're driven by, whatever your hook may be, he rejoices in that confusion. And we see politicians, actors, artists, and much more. Selling their souls, basically, for a successful life that is only temporary. A life following Jesus and being in relationship with him is eternal. You want to make an eternal impact? Share about Jesus today. See, we're going to go into worship here in a bit, and as our worship team comes on, I have one more story that I want to share with you. And this is the part, this is the pivotal moment in my life that I was talking about at the beginning. When I lived for this world to please my flesh, I honestly didn't realize all that I was opening up myself to, opening up my soul to. The Bible says the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion waiting for something to devour. And honestly, he did just that for me. And he almost had me too. 10 days before making the decision to live my life for Jesus. I've talked about it before. I went to Devin and I said, hey man, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm completely lost, but I want to live my life better. You want to be accountability partners? He said, yeah. And that started it all. Kickstarted started it all, that we ended up doing a Bible study. I told you the story. We did that Bible study. We were able to baptize my cousin through that. We had three people saved come to life, and one of them, my best friend, who we just talked about a few months ago, or a couple months ago, who we just celebrated his life that he had here on earth. But there's peace, and there's resurrection in the suffering. Was there suffering in the moment when he passed and, 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 and passed from this life? Yes, there was suffering. Yes, it was hard but there's resurrection in it because I know where he is. And the Bible, we talk about that. We talk about how he's waiting, just waiting for something to devour. And there was a time in my life where for about five months, five or six months, I would have a panic attack just about every single day. I ended up calling my mom just about every time. And I wasn't living my life for the Lord. I mean, I knew him. I I grew up in church, but I didn't really have that relationship. And he said, she would just pray. And then we'd just talk. And that went on for months. And it was one of the worst panic attacks I've ever had just 10 days before I made this decision and had this conversation with Devin that I didn't even know I was gonna have at the time. But this one, this attack was much different than anything I'd ever experienced. But I think that Satan knew what God had planned for me. He knew the anointing on my life. And one thing I realized is you can't argue with anointing. No matter how old, how young, you can't argue with it. I tried, believe me. But Satan knew what was gonna happen. He knew the anointing. And this story was a time when I was still kind of walking through these attacks, usually daily. And I come home, I walk in the door, dad was out of town, mom was there. But in about five minutes, she was about to leave. She was about to to leave and go to Fort Wayne, actually, to visit her sister. Mom, if you remember this, you're gonna realize how shook you are right now. (laughs) And how powerful prayer is. An individual of fighting off the spiritual warfare that comes in our life. And mom was about to leave. She said, I'm about to leave, go visit my sister in Fort Wayne. And I walk in my room, and so audibly, I still remember it to this day, and I don't think I'll ever forget it because it's a reminder of what Jesus did for me. As I heard this voice so clearly. It says, When she leaves. You're going to kill yourself. And in that moment, I lost control, because I fought it, but I knew it wasn't me. I knew it wasn't my thought. I' never, I never experienced that, that, that struggle of, of suicidal thoughts or anything like that before. But it was so real, and I felt like I had no control over my life. I had no choice but to just weep. And I just began to bawl. And I can't speak, I can't do anything, and I'm just crying. And I go in there and my mom's like, what, what's wrong? Like, she's about to leave. She's, she gets on the phone and, and then she, she calls her sister and says, hey, I can't come. I don't know what's wrong with Ross. Like, I won't be there. And then she just begins to pray. And for about 10 minutes or so, it felt like a lifetime, but for about 10 minutes, it was that way. And then I regained composure. And then, as I said, Ten days later, I made that decision to begin a relationship with Jesus. See, you never know what you're walking through. Like maybe you don't have that relationship with Jesus today and you have all these struggles and the enemy is really attacking you, but I think it's because He knows the anointing that God has put on your life. And He wants to prevent you from that. He wants to steal, to kill and to destroy. And He will do just that if you let him. And what would have happened? If that happened that day, family would have been sad and heartbroken. Yeah, sure. But let's talk about an eternal impact. Since I've given my life to Christ, I don't really keep track of how many people I've been able to bring to Christ, but I've been able to share my faith and my testimony with so many people that have changed lives for eternity, that has changed generations for eternity. And I come up here and I share this with you today from a place of vulnerability, something I've never done. And I believe, believe me when I tell you, the enemy was trying to stop me. He was trying to prevent me from sharing this today. And from this place of vulnerability, I'm just taking that step first because to have a relationship with Jesus requires us to open up. You see, I was nearly five minutes from the enemy completely taking me out. And all my life, I lived a life of death, opened myself up to these attacks from the enemy. But when Jesus was crucified and hung on that cross and died and rose three days later, he robbed the grave and holds the keys to sin and death. He has no power over you. Death has no power over you. Satan has no power over you today. The name of Jesus may be spoken over your name. The name of Jesus may be spoken over your family and over the generations to come. No longer do I or you need to live in fear on this side of heaven. If you have given your life to Christ and call on him as Lord and Savior over your life, the enemy has no power over you. The authority of the name of Jesus. You can't save yourself. We all need a savior. They put a stone to seal the tomb without realizing that he is the chief cornerstone. He has resurrected and came back to life. The enemy might try to put some stumbling blocks in your way, but I believe that it is going to be stepping stones for you in this season. The enemy is like, if I can put depression in your way, if I can put anxiety in your way, if I can put abandonment in your way, if I can put pornography in your way, if I can put drugs or alcohol in your way, if I can put religion in your way, then maybe, just maybe, you won't get to God. That's what he's trying to do. He wants to keep you as far from God as he possibly can. He knows, keep in mind, he knows the power and the authority of Jesus. He knows the authority of God. He knows who reigns, who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now I believe everything you've gone through, it's not gonna be a stumbling block, but it will be a stepping stone for you in this season. Amen. And what he wants to do in you and through you, requires you to be open. He can't do it just on the surface level. He can't. Many of us came here today wanting a surface level relationship with Jesus, but he wants to do far more in you and far more through you than you could ever imagine. I'm a prime example of that. I'm a walking testimony of the power and goodness of God. I come to you from a place of vulnerability, but also to share with you, I'm not perfect. No, no person who is going to f- preach from this stage is perfect. I don't come from you to, to look down at you and say, oh, you have this sin, this sin, this sin, this sin. No, I have my own sins that I've had to overcome and conquer. And I still, like, we, we all sin. There is no perfect man except for Jesus Christ himself. So let's get rid of that, that mindset. Get rid of the, the victim mentality. That you may have done this and this is all done to me and, and so, so I, I, I'm hurting and yes, I know it's still real. You're still hurting. I get that. No matter what is done to you, it still is very real. But it's time to quit playing victim because Jesus became the victim so you could be the victor. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. It's time to open the gates and let the king of glory come in. Every battle you face, every weight you carry, God has already conquered through the death on the cross and the resurrection. The enemy thought he had him? No, he did not. The enemy, there's a song, it goes, the enemy thought that he had me, but Jesus said you are mine. And just says it over and over and over. The enemy thought that he had me, but Jesus said you were mine. Jesus wants a relationship with you. He knows you. He formed you in your mother's womb. And he has conquered the grave so that you may walk a life of obedience and with authority that he has given you today. I'm going to invite our prayer team up this morning. And we have, a, we, you guys may see this here. We have a special element that we're going to add because it is a perfect representation of death, burial, resurrection. This is going to be a baptism that we're going to have after this next song. And I also just want to open the floor that if that's you today and you you didn't come here expecting to be baptized, but you really feel that tug from the Lord that you want to be, well, I was praying for it and I'm preparing for it. We have towels, we have shorts and shirts, our baptism shirts that will be for you. If you want to make that decision today, then just go visit Colette at the welcome center. And we have one more thing here. And I just want to say that we have a choice today. Today, you have a choice to make. What has, what have you been bound up with? What have you walked in here with that has bound you so? Jesus' friend Lazarus was bound by sickness, yet he raised him from the grave. What makes you think he doesn't want that same thing for you today? Do you call him Lord and savior over your life? Do you have a relationship with him? We can can cut that religion stuff out of here. It's not about a religion. It is about a relationship with Jesus and that's what he wants for you today. Whether you were saved five minutes ago or 50 years ago, he still wants us to open up, takes vulnerability and it takes strength to be vulnerable. But the strength isn't of our own. It's the strength of the Lord. If you have a sickness and you have a disease and you need surgery, what does it take? A surgeon has to open you up to heal you from it, right? He has to open you up to rid you of that. Jesus wants the same for you. He has to open you up. Except for him, it's all in your hands. He doesn't force himself upon you. We have free will, but I promise you it is far greater, far better to open up now than to wait.